you know a spot. But not just a spot. The spot. Actually, with the 2023 Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots? Being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your Frontier in the 2023 Nissan Frontier with standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-feet of torque. State Farm Insurance knows that understanding and investing in our cultural identity is paramount in protecting our future. We know what it's like to go from nothing to something to wish that we had better financial literacy when we were younger. Luckily, State Farm is here to help with funding programs like Project Ready, which is committed to education achievement and has already awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to black and brown youth since 2021. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Got my Prevnar 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic and at higher risk? Get vaccinated. But, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't give Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar 20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar 20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. That's how we own it! What's up, family? I'm your girl, Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we're your hosts of Street Politicians, the, the place, place where, where the, the streets, streets and, and politics, politics meet. meet. What's up? Yet another episode of Street Politicians. I'm proud of us. Proud Number of us podcast. doing what we're supposed to be doing. Number one podcast. Bringing people good information. That's right. So every week we've been trying to really bring some real thought out um, topics to people. And I've been getting the feedback from folks seeing them out at events and in they different said, spaces. This is my favorite podcast. You know like, oh, we got people. I told, listen. Number one, we got to speak it into existence. The number one podcast in the world. It is. You know, it's, it's informative. In our it's hearts. fun. We fight. I tell y'all, we disagree. We do every, everything. Number one in our hearts, but it's and certainly on the charts. It's coming to the charts. On the charts, and um, you know, and I, I'm really proud of it because I know how we started. Uh, it was a it was a, a dope idea um, that I was resisting because I don't like being on camera on a regular basis. I love my new thing that I've been doing, my Facebook audio things. And I just sit there wherever I can have my um, bonnet on. Uh, I can, you no, know, no. not have my face be. I can just do me. Just talk. And run my, run it. Cause That's you it. know, you I know how part. to run like my mouth. Part. I just We could have had, you realize that we could have had the first podcast. We could have been like the entrepreneurs of podcasts. If you would have listened to me. About three, four years ago, I said you did. Yeah, you, you said, know. and I said, everybody no. wants to do. It. I said, look, let's go do it. He's like, no, because you wanted me to go to a studio that's in Delaware, no, on the other Delaware. side of town. And then we met 
Cat Trig and the entire Catscape team. No. And then we found a median of a place that we could go. Yep. Okay. We did. There Shout you out go. to the whole so Catscape team. Let's just be clear. We but clear. it is um it is good to still be in the in the space. And look, even our picture changed. Oh. Um, that was you uh, see it. That's a new picture. Anyway, um, so lots to talk about today. We're focusing on um our our now our brother, uh Dante Mitchell, that I'm really so excited. Like I'm the Mitchell smiling. Brothers. We got two Mitchells. On oh, the we show do time. have two Mitchells today. And I'm really, really excited for Dante. Like I'm so excited. He's so smart. Very smart kid, man. Um that's what that's what really started our connection, man. Um I just seen him and then he reached out to me. We started talking and just hearing his energy, hearing how articulate he was, yes, just knowing man. that he was gonna come into society and immediately be a change maker, man. So it's gonna be a dope interview with him. And it's like one of those stories that it actually worked. The advocacy of everybody putting his name out into the world yeah. gave uh of uh, the former governor uh Andrew Cuomo, I forgot his name. Uh, gave him, you know, and his whoever works on his clemency packages, they were able to get the information. The awareness was there because he was advocating inside the walls, mm -hmm. but people outside were calling his name, sharing his story. And so that's how you get on the list, right? You got to, it's not, they don't just go scouring through everybody that's in prison and say, oh, you. No, it's usually people's voices are being raised about exactly. a particular person. Folks are writing. People are adding you on Instagram. And, Advocating. You know, a lot of, a lot of these you know, a lot of these government officials have Instagram. They have well, Facebook. Yeah, they have people they have that it. scour so you, the exactly, net. Exactly. So when you add in them and they say, let me go see what somebody's talking about, you know, and, and you continuously see that, then you realize that the voice of the people wants this. Yeah. You know, yeah, and, no. and that's what I tell people, man. We, we got to utilize our voices. And this is one of those very rare instances where we actually seen the justice. You know, we seen something come from our voice. A lot of times we get deterred and we get jaded and we get tired because there's so many setbacks and a lot of, not a lot of wins. So right. this, this is a win for it's us. It's a man. big win. It's 24 big win. years, this young man uh, sat inside of a prison, uh, but he really fought for himself. So shout out to Dante. He's going to be up Dante. soon. Yep. And then like you said, it's the two Mitchells because we also going to hear from our change maker today. But I'm not going to spoil it and tell people who it is. I'm just excited that my, um, Mitchell, my bro... bro is coming up. Yep. So uh, let's see. There's a lot of stuff happening. The whole world is bugging, as mm -hmm. always. That's first of all the, the COVID COVID pandemic. Nobody knows what to do. So that's just let's just get that out there. That regardless of whether you're vaccinated, unvaccinated in New York, if you can go to a restaurant, you can't go to a restaurant. This pandemic is still a major crisis, mm -hmm. and um, how we're going to get our hands around it. God only knows. And so I just, you know, there are more there are people who are still dying. Over the last two weeks, I've been hearing about a number of individuals um, who have passed away who are close to folks that I know. So these are like not distant stories that I just saw on the news, but people who've actually died. And just, you know, also for, for folks who are listening today, if you've had COVID and since COVID, it went away. You haven't been to the doctor to get yourself checked just to, you know, get your regular checkup. You should. 
because there are people who we are now finding out that a year later, months later, some of the symptoms or other conditions are popping up and people are are experiencing other things that are as a result of them having COVID. So it's really something that you got to take seriously. And as the guy on Instagram says, wear your mask, <laughs> wear your mask. But um, you me, still tell us all the time, get some fresh air also. Please get you some fresh air, yeah. man. We got, we just have to be, just use common sense. You know, with anything that you do, I don't, advocate for anything. I don't tell you what to do, what not to do, but just use common sense. You do advocate you know? for anything. No, I mean, I don't advocate any way or another. So, you know, this is this is new to us. COVID is very new to us. And I think we just need to be getting checkups on the regular. Like As we get older and you in your 40s and late 30s and 40s, like go get checked up. If something don't feel right, don't sit there and say, oh, I can fight it off. You're not a kid no more. Your immune system is not strong, as strong as it was. It's, a lot of things you're just not fighting off on your own, especially as black men. Black men have a problem with going to the doctor. We That's got like to be a show. That's a show. Actually, the production team has been talking about doing a show yeah. on why black men don't get the type of care that they need. A lot of us don't trust. We just don't trust. But they get plastic surgery. I don't know who they <laughs> We is. heard about that a couple Lord weeks ago. Me. I don't but know. But they get their stomachs uh, laid down. Dr. Michael Jones told us that they get it sucked out. They get their eyelids God bless straight. <laughs> to each his own, man. If you, if you need, get you a little. Do what you got to do. Do what you dip. feel is best for you, man. And then in other news, um, I think that Joe Manchin, the senator from Virginia, who is a Democrat, uh, supposedly, he, he he identifies as a Democrat. I think he's the president. I really think that Joe Manchin runs this country. And you know, that's a thing. Like, if you watch these movies that are about politics and, you know, these 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 shows that kind of give you a, 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 like, it's like, you know, where they're acting out being president or being in administration, running stuff. These shows always have people who are within the ranks, whether they be another elected official or a staff member or just a rich person, particularly a rich white man, where they have more power than the president. And to me, Joe Manchin is the president. He gets to decide because yeah. he is, in many ways, if, if you don't have his support, you can't use the majority power within the Senate. That's how narrow the um the the numbers are in terms of having having the ability to vote in a bill against the republicans you need joe manchin's vote and he sides pretty much with the republicans on a lot of issues he at least has very very conservative views and has been very very clear that if he is not able to get or if they or the democrats are not able to get republicans who ain't with us have not been with us have actually been harmful to everything we attempt to, to get done that they that he won't vote for the bill. He wants the Republicans. So he basically is saying, let's give them what they need so before we can sign bills. And one of the things that right now is happening, which, you know, it's been the last several weeks. So, you know, hopefully this thing will get worked out really soon is the 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 infrastructure bill, which is Three plus was I think it's uh three point four, but it it may be yeah I think it's three point four. I know it's more than three trillion dollars yeah. that's needed. 
to deal with the number of things in our society, including making sure people get back to work, infrastructure stuff like real infrastructure issues, bridges and tunnels, things that hadn't been taken care of because of the pandemic. And there's $5.3 billion in that bill for gun violence intervention and prevention, right? And so what do you mean you're not... I don't understand what he means he's not going to sign the bill. He means he's not going to sign the bill. That's what he said. So the bottom line is we've just been hoodwinked, man. And the government is like kangaroo court. Hmm. It's like a kangaroo court, right? So we go and we put all of this energy into voting for these people. And then they got, you know, they got secret, they got their secret agents, double agents that's on our side. And, And when it's our turn, to actually get a vote, they come out and say, no, I'm not, I don't, I'm not with that. But whenever it's the Republican situation, they never side with us. There's no Republican that say, you know what? I'm holding up the Republican because I need the Democrats. Well, that's not true. There's like one person, which is Liz Cheney, Representative Liz Cheney. Um, She has stood up to Donald Trump and particularly been fighting against this lie that the election was stolen from him. Uh, Mm -hmm. But you're right. Well, Nobody. Yeah, I, I haven't seen them step say, up and say, we're not we passing got, these bills that y'all want to pass. Well, I mean, she has been one to advocate or to fight against things that she thinks is wrong. But it's just one one lady. Really, there's not many of them. Now, what I and, and sometimes, you know, I watch them. Sometimes you'll see different uh, senators and, and particularly congressional members saying like, ah, I think we're going too far. Um, You know, we won't vote for these bills. There needs to be some uh, negotiations around changing the terms. But it's never really in favor of black communities. So to your point, you don't see Republicans stepping out of line to say, I want to protect black people, but you always or the see, issues that are important to right or, or 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 marginalized communities. Yep. But you do see Democrats who, even if it hurts marginalized communities, they are willing to side with um, with the Republicans and others just to say, oh, you know, we're working together. You see Democrats who are like, well, we don't need. Uh, uh, qualified immunity included in the bill, knowing that that's one of those things that if we pass qualified and if we end qualified immunity, we could actually make officers feel more accountable, which might make them even more conscious about how they address and operate within our communities. And of course, the reason why they don't want to end qualified immunity, that's why they're fighting that one, because they know that's one of the most important pieces of the bill. So, but yet we'll see, but we'll see Democrats line up and say, well, you know, maybe we'll just take that off the table so we could get something done. So, you know, you're right. It's all a bunch of bullshit. I just think that Joe Manchin, I want, I want, Joe Manchin is the president. I want the kind of power that Joe Manchin has. I got to figure out how to make that happen in my life. He's definitely, he's definitely um, leveraged his position. He's leveraged. Yeah. He knows he's got that vote. He knows that his vote is important in order for anything to pass. So he feels like his, his community, West Virginians. Do we get a, can we get rid of it? Well, that's what I was getting ready to get into. Let's get to it. West Virginians. West Virginians. Right. They, um, that particular, his constituents, they're more conservative people who vote Democrat. So they're looking for almost Republican. And that's why they claim. Uh, Almost Republican. Yeah, that's why they claim 
that he takes the types of stances that he takes because his constituents, his constituents will not vote him in. And so the, then the Democrats will say, well, we don't want to lose the seat 100% because there has been other things that Joe Manchin has voted on in favor of the Democrats and, and you know, in favor of some of the issues that we care about. So he hasn't been all the way, I won't say bad, but he hasn't been all the way against the Democrats either. Okay. So he's so he fluctuates and fluffs his way through. It just seems like by he's the been way, fluctuating a lot more towards today, issues that, right. that we don't need, you know. And it's dangerous. Very it's very dangerous. dangerous. Extremely and dangerous. And I think, you know, that advocates like yourself need to go into West Virginia and help West Virginians who don't agree with him to figure out a strategy to get him out. But Sounds you got but plan. only way you get people those types of people out is you gotta vote them out. So I was thinking. I was watching a few weeks ago the Met Gala, right? And I was thinking we should do a show on fashion, right? But mm -hmm. from the perspective of like trends. And um, and I guess we could do a lot of different things about fashion, but I would like to talk to people like June Ambrose and other big designers about how they make these decisions on what people are going to wear and what the themes are at these events. Because at the Met Gala, I was a little uh, stunned, if you will, by some of what I saw. I really saw a lot of mess. Like a lot of people look messy to me. You know, this is not my section. This is your section. Well, but you had an opinion about a few people. Yeah, it's, you know, I'm I'm confused with fashion these days. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know what it's designed to do. I don't know if it's just pure shock value, you know, or what what is the whole theme of it? Like, we was having a conversation, and, you know, I seen Russell Westbrook, you know, and this kill thing. And I don't, I'm trying to get to what, the, the fascist, like, why is every time that a man decides to wear a kilt, there's this big fashion statement and celebration of it? Like, what what is that actually, what does it signify in the fashion world? What is it actually? Well, like? I mean, well, first of all, the, the history of kilts in general that I also am noticing a lot of people are not aware of is that men wore kilts all throughout, first of all, have been wearing kilts all throughout history, right? And I get your point. It's like, okay, if a man wears a kilt, it seems to be so like exciting to a lot of folks. But I think if you see a man in a banging suit and he's super sexy, that is, is celebrated as well. Cause you see men post like the best picture and everybody's like, oh my God, look how good he looks. I don't so, really see that. I see it. All. Well, maybe because you're not looking for it. And it's also what might be like you see it's it, and it's like, why is everybody on the well? But uh, I don't men wear I mean, suits all the time. You I don't, don't see when last time you seen somebody I, who wore a suit. I, well, that I think it, it, whether or not it's just a suit, mice. Mm -hmm. I think people fashion moves because it is all publicized, right? Mm -hmm. Jay Z takes off the jerseys, puts on a different type of shirt. It moves. Everybody sees it. It gets shared. Now everybody's wearing these types of shirts. Mm -hmm. You say integrity over income. You put that hat on the internet. The next thing you know, everybody, people are buying it from you. They're sharing it. I think fashion moves in general. And I also think that there is an element. We can't 
deny that there's a gender conversation that comes up. And so it, it becomes, you know, it becomes something more to be discussed because people are like, you know, what does this mean? And what's the agenda and all these different things that those conversations constantly come up. I think if people just let people do whatever the hell and wear whatever the hell they want to wear, it, it doesn't have to be that much I mean, of a I don't conversation. Think you, can, you can't stop people from wearing what they want to wear, right? right? So but when you wear, when you do anything, you're subject to someone else's opinion. Of course. And that's just part of life. So for me, you know, I don't, everybody should be able and willing to do whatever, wear whatever you want to wear. I just trying, I'm really just trying to figure out the fascination with the kilt. Like I've, I think it's just a resurgence of fashion. So the bell bottoms come back every now and then, wide leg pants, the, you know, whatever. It, it's there's a resurgence of that and the simple it's um another example is like chloe bailey comes out it's tight it's short it's sexy and everybody's going crazy lizzo walks out she's half naked with her body and you know her being an oversized woman hey everybody's talking about it i think it's just people just you know people are attracted to different they want to see something different. They want to see something that makes them feel like seen, right? Because I, as a as a man or a woman or whatever, they might be like, okay, I don't like to dress with the norm of exactly what they say I'm supposed to wear because that's what makes me a man or a woman. So I'm going to put this other thing on that will, like you said, provide some shock value, show my that I'm different. I'm not like everybody else. And yet I'm still whoever I am. But that, but, and that's a good conversation and we should talk about that. But I'm trying to figure out why people wear such ugly clothes. Now, see, that's a different whole conversation because yeah, there was some stuff that I saw on that red card because that the, I, was, but it, I couldn't but believe it. It's the it. same thing though, because right, when you look at how ugly it is or in your perception of ugly, right, it makes people talk. It's for shock value. I'm different. I'm, I can wear the least attractive thing and get attention in it, right? I think that's what it's coming. Some from. of them people didn't get no attention today. No, a lot I of mean, people. Was but there was a lot of, some people. of those some people, people got so much none. negative attention, and, and they got the attention so regardless of what people are like. What the hell is this? Somebody's talking about it, and I think we've come to a, a stage in our culture where that is that is a marketing strategy, right? To go so far left, to go f so far disaccording to whatever normalized as acceptable or looks like beauty or whatever. It's just to go so far from that that people talk about you. Well, hey, look how Prince used to dress. Like, that was big conversation. Prince mm -hmm. came out. He had multiple things going on in one look. You know, Michael Jackson, the same thing. Like, I guess there's always been that fashion-forward mindset that, you know, I could be different. But I want to talk to the experts like june first of all june ambrose at the met gala if you have not you should go to her page and check out a couple, you know what what she wore she looked amazing okay uh mary j blige amazing little baby fabulous meg the stallion fabulous and these are also people the oh, sierra amazing and and i could go on but these are also people that we know them well enough to know that they just like classic looks i don't know what the theme was i i don't know where people was going but i i just i saw some 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 stuff that was whew. it's very different it was very different very different
So mm-hmm. that's what I was thinking about. We you have know, to I have do, a I show. Don't, I don't about understand. The I don't even today. understand ASAP Rocky and Rihanna. Like I looked at it, and I didn't. I didn't know what was he wearing a quilt. Was she like? What I think exactly? they said it was Balenciaga. I don't care what the name. I'm talking about what it was. Well, the theme was supposed to be something about American, like 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 old American classics. So that's why Sierra had on a football jersey because that's an American that's classic. Yeah. yeah. So so, so, what so is it there that must they be. What did ASAP Rocky? And- I, that's why we have to invite people like June Ambrose so up here, so we can explain. Cause they know. Cause we don't know. Because while she may have had, while June's look may have been very, you know, beautiful classic look, she's able. I'm sure she dressed some of those other people, and she can explain her and others why, and other stylists can explain the difference i don't know even our stylist we need to ask vlad and and mia we need some answers because we got some questions that's right seeing our communities grow and thrive is something we care deeply about here at black tech green money state farm insurance also cares about the growth of black communities they're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help provide financial literacy give early career advice and grow black owned businesses thus leading to generational wealth which helps protect the future of our communities We want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Farm understands that representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. It also requires active sponsorship of programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements, along with funding programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to educational achievement of black and brown youth that has awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to date. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You know a spot, but not just a spot, the spot. Actually, with the 2023 Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots? Being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your frontier in the 2023 Nissan Frontier with standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-feet of torque. How do we level the playing field for all entrepreneurs? 55% of white businesses survive the startup phase, while only 4% of black businesses do the same. So I want every black entrepreneur to know about the 1 Million Black Businesses Initiative. The 1 Million Black Businesses Initiative is an award-winning program created by Shopify and Operation Hope. They're on a mission to start, grow, and scale 1 million black businesses by 2030, driving wealth creation for the black community. Out of 6 million employer-owned businesses in the U.S., only 2.3% have black ownership. This program gives black entrepreneurs tools and resources to level the playing field, from free business coaching to tailored training and extended free Shopify trial. Shopify's made a 10-year, multi-million dollar commitment to the program, and it's working. The initiative already started, supported, and engaged with over 334,000 black businesses, helping them operate businesses that sell anything from skateboards to coffee beans to apparel. Business owners love this program. Simone Harvin, founder of SC Creative Group, says, The 1 million black businesses experience for me was unlike any other program I've been a part of, primarily because it was for us and it was by us. Here at Drink Champs, we are always interacting with our listeners, many being black entrepreneurs. Shopify is one of those platforms that empowers and emboldens entrepreneurship. 
So chart your own path for business success with the 1 Million Black Businesses Initiative and Shopify. Bring your business to Shopify with an exclusive offer at shopify.com slash B-E-N, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash B-E-N. That's how we own it! So today we have, you know, a very special guest, um, a brother that I met through the struggle, you know, um, few months ago, I was introduced to this brother's struggle through social media. I came across a Now What video talking about his situation, how he had been incarcerated since he was 17 for a crime that didn't involve any violence, but he was in jail for 24 years. At that point. At that point. He was sentenced to 70 years right. originally. And, um, you know, it really was something that really touched me. You know, so I decided to repost and, 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 and somehow the brother reached out to me. You know, mm. he got connected with me and um, I took personal his stroke, his struggle. And then we realized that I was actually incarcerated with him. Mm. You know, when I was in Sing Sing in 1999, mm. he was actually in on the same block as me. He I was younger than me. Yeah, we we figured that out. He told me, like, yeah, you was in Sing Sing with me. You know, so there was always like, you know, this small degrees of separation. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I was inclined to do whatever I can for the brother. And um, so um, he was just recently released. Yeah. You know, after he was granted clemency. And um, this is a brother that I'm happy to see here on the other side of the wall. No more prison calls. <laughs> you know, no more long nights of him just trying to figure out how. Because this man really took serious his freedom. Man, yeah, you know? yeah. And he yeah. called me daily. You know, checking up on people, sometimes bugging them. And I'm like, calm down. Uh, we got this. But, you know, his his passion was what really drew me to him. So I just want to welcome home my brother Dante and Falme Mitchell. What's going on, King? How you doing? I'm all right, brother, man. How are you? I can't complain, man. How you feeling? Feeling elated, excited. You know, I'm ready to get to work, do the things that I've been doing, man. Take the same energy that got me, you know, released and, you know, to try to help uplift and empower my community. That's a beautiful yes. thing, man. Dante, it's so nice to see you uh, on the screen. You know, I've heard your story many times. I've actually, you know, as I work very closely with my son, I have watched him go through emotional struggles. And of course, um, Angelo Pinto, attorney Angelo Pinto, uh, who I also work with every day. And I've watched them having conversations, trying to figure things out, making phone calls to people, um, you know, bringing you all, you, your name up in conversations with the top people that, you know, they could talk to about uh, what was happening to you. And you know, I know, and I and I also know how frustrating it was because they would say like, we're frustrated, he's frustrated, you know, um, and, but you would, I, I'm not, I've not witnessed someone advocate for themselves the way that you did um, and the way that you continue to advocate for yourself. So I just want to salute you um, and just tell you that your strength and resilience is so important and how you help to translate that to the world is going to be what I, you know, think is is God's message and the reason why you went through everything that you went through. Right, right. Thank you so much. So tell us, you know, yeah, talk give us, about give us a synopsis, like, like break down, you know, you went to prison 17 years. Give us a brief synopsis of that situation, which you were sentenced to how long you were there, just give people a little feeling of what it is so we can, they can understand. 
right, well, you know, at the age of 11, I ended up being taken away from my mother and placed in foster care until I was 16 years old. Uh, when I turned 16 years old, I signed out of foster care, and 10 months later, I was incarcerated. You know, I held down a job, but I was in between living situations, so I was going to different youth shelters, et cetera, trying to, you know, do the independent living thing. You know, um, I ended up getting caught up with the wrong crowd, introduced to a life of guns and robbery and stuff like that, and um, it, it just kind of sucked me in. So um, after I lost my job and I ended up uh, being displaced from one of the, the shelters that I was living at, you know, I seen that, you know, you know, doing a robbery was a quick way of getting money. So, you know, I went down that route, you know, and of course, hindsight is twenty twenty. You look at it in retrospect, it wasn't the most wise decision, but I was a kid, you know, struggling to find himself and find his place in the world. And I made that mistake. Um, even though I didn't hurt, harm, or injure anyone, and um, I was a first-time felony offender, you know, I was given an exorbitant amount of time, 35 to 70 years, and that was pretty much punishment from the judge because I chose to exercise my constitutional right to a trial. And the reason why I did that is because, you know, there was some, you know, some things that the Albany City Police Department had did in order to secure the conviction that was illegal and pretty much unjust. You know, they say Capricorns are the type of people when they see something unjust that, you know, they're going to fight, you know, hard for, you know, to 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 deal with or to alleviate that injustice. So that that has always been me. And because Taurus I've seen that the same thing. <laughs> yeah, all right. You know, so I'm like, you know, here it is. You guys, is, you know, you railroaded me, but you want me to, uh, you know, own up and take responsibility for what I did wrong, but here you guys are, y'all police department, you you are police officers sworn to uphold the law, but you break the law in order to try to enforce it. it. makes no sense. So even at that young tender age, I understood what injustice was. So I decided to go to trial and try my hand for as punishment for doing that. You know, the judge basically threw the book at me, called me a plague to society, you know. Hmm. And now what, what was the crime? It was a robbery. And two attempted robberies and related offenses like criminal possession of a weapon, criminal use of a weapon, and grand mm -hmm. larceny. Mm -hmm. And so, and 35 to 70 years at 17 years old was the sentence. Now, does that, and this, so this is in New York State. Mm -hmm. So this means that you were tried as an adult? Yes. Which is the raise the age law that uh, Angelo and so many and all of us fought to uh, change. Exactly. Um, so if that if raise the age had been lifted, well, no, if raise the age had passed as a law at that time, if that was a bill that was in he place, he child. would not have been tried as an adult. He would have been tried as a child and gone to programs, detention centers, and you know what have you, and and given services. Right. I'm just trying to make sure that that's what we've been talking about. Or am nah, I, wrong? I You I want to correct you because I've been following the raise the age law since it's been um, passed. I know that Angelo and a few others who initially, you know, introduced it, wanted to go, you know, as far as they could. To right. Ensure exactly. Juvenile offenders weren't treated as adults, but the bill got watered down. It did. And, it you know, did. so people I mean, and, 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 and you know, it's like you damn if you do, you damn if you don't. So I don't fault the advocates like Angelo and others, you know, for the work that they did. You know, we are living in a very diabolical system. So they're going to look for any way to maintain their interest to ensure that they keep these prisons open. So even though uh, the raise the age law has made it uh, much easier 
for juvenile offenders to be treated as children, especially if you have nonviolent crimes, you automatically go to family court. But if you were charged with a violent crime, even in a situation like me, okay. where no no one was hurt, harmed, or injured, you're still going to go to um, uh, the adult court, but they got something called the youth park. Um, but you still can get the same amount of time. As an the adult. Difference is that, mm -hmm. Right. The judge is supposed to, you know, look into your your youth at that time as a mitigating factor, but they basically left a loophole for them to still keep guys in prison. Even when the law was passed, it was being phased in. Mm. So unlike when they reformed the Rockefeller drug laws, they allowed for guys, you know, to file what they call 440 motions to go back down the court to get their resentence. They didn't do the same thing for those of us who were um, juvenile offenders at the time that we committed our offenses so that we can get resentenced. They basically say, you know what, we're just gonna sweep all of you guys under the rug, even the 17 and 18 year olds that were being sentenced around the time the law was being passed were still getting railroaded. But, wow. not, but, but to be clear, with the law that is currently in place, it would have at least changed, not necessarily changed your situation, but it could have. Is that, that's yes, it? Yes. Okay. But it could have. That's true. Right. Okay. Yes, I'm just, just, mm -hmm. you know, I, we always want to yeah. tie together the advocacy, the work that's being done on the ground with real life stories. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Right, and so right. I'm just trying to understand because this show is about not just about educating the masses. It's about us learning as well is what we're doing, working. What should we be doing more of? How can Until Freedom, our organization, be better advocates? And so that's why I just wanted to know, hey, on how would raise the age have impacted you if it worked properly? So thanks for right, helping right. me. Listen, he's educating us. Of course, he did. <laughs> brother's a very sharp dude, yeah. man. That's why I advocated for him, speaking to him from the first day I spoke to him. I understood that he had done his research, that he did, had utilized his time to grow as a man, to you know, to educate himself, and he wanted to come home and be a productive member of society. So he's definitely in tune and understands what's going on. I just think. When we look at this his case, right, and this is what I always say, the 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 categorization the category of violence, mm. right, has to change, right. you know, because they put all the everything under the guise of a violent crime, and, and for every, black people, for black and, people, and, like, and, and a lot folks. of these things. When you look, when you say that nobody was harmed, nobody like there has to be different categories of violence. Okay, we understand that there was a weapon involved, but if nobody was hurt with that weapon, there should be a different category to where it doesn't that automatically just puts you under this violent category with people who are actually murderers and all of these things. It has to be different dynamics. And those dynamics should be taken into consideration when they're given these sentences, when they're given, you know, the way that they categorize these trials. And, and that's what happened to him and the same thing that happened with me. Right. You know, even though there was never any weapon found, there was actually no evidence at all, but it was classified a violent crime. So a lot of, once they classify it a violent crime, you don't get the provisions a lot of people get. You you can't go take programs. Once they say they stamp this thing violent on you, they don't give you programs, they don't give you certain releases that they give everybody else. And it's and it it, it just pigeonholes us and locks us and it, it, it just mainly just focuses and goes against us as black men. Yeah. So what do you want to see happen now? Like are are you thinking of legislation that needs to be introduced? Um, you know, your mind works, it's so sharp. And I'm just wondering, I'm sure that you have come up with some concept of what you think needs to happen as the next step for not just Dante Mitchell, but for the movement. 
Absolutely, man. The the things that I feel need to happen with the raise the age law, one, it needs to apply retroactive. Mm. And all those young men and women that have been sentenced as juvenile offenders, you know, when the law was passed, prior to the law being passed, they should be given some type of amnesty. Their cases should be looked over and, you know, they should be given an opportunity to earn their way out of prison. Um, another thing I feel is that those individuals who are still left behind, you know, they should be given the opportunity you know, to, to have true merit time. They shouldn't have to do, if, if you got 10 years, you shouldn't have to do uh, 85% of your time because you were a juvenile at the time that you committed your offense. Um, the law should also be raised, I think. I think if you're 21 and under, you should, you know, the raise the age law should apply. Another thing I believe needs to happen is that the, every juvenile should automatically go to family court. It should be on the prosecutor to make an application to the judge and family court to move the case to adult court if they feel that there are certain aggravating factors that require that. But to send the kids to adult courts and then let an adult court judge determine whether or not should be sent back to family court only on the consent of the prosecutor, man, that right there is just another loophole for them to keep guys and, you know, not just guys, but these children um, um, incarcerated and subjected to. And two more things that I think are very, very important that the law never applies are never really focused on. The first one is really providing proper rehabilitative treatment for the young offenders that are in prison. Now, I've read a few uh, law articles and studies that make it very clear that when you send uh, a person who is under 25 years old and put them in an adult institution, you're going to do a lot of damage to them behaviorally and cognitively. They're not going to get the same development that they would give if they were placed in a more a, a more conducive environment to their to their reform and rehabilitation. So you're setting them up from jump. You're gonna since 18, 19, and I, I I mentor a lot of 18, 19, 20 year olds through my UFD organization that I created in 2008. So I have a lot of young men that are a part of that, and I see the damage that is being done to them. You know, in the environments that they're in, I always used to say to myself, man, if I could just you know, bring some of these young men into a, a, a more uh, a, a conducive environment, like a facility where, you know, guys like myself who are, you know, educated and have already transformed ourselves could be role models for them, like the program that they got in Connecticut called True, you know, where they take young guys and they pair them off with older guys and they put them in a separate housing unit where that housing unit is the best unit in the facility. You know, this is that, that needs to happen. You know, they need to have an environment and a space for these um, young men and women who are in these adult facilities where they can get the proper rehabilitative treatment. And mm-hmm. the last and most important aspect I think the Raise the Age Law should have dealt with is providing more funding to prevent youth crime. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's not, let's right. not, um, let's not, um, you know, treat the uh, the illness when it happens. Let's try to prevent it from happening. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why I'm, I'm here back in the city of Albany, you know, already, you know, I'm getting involved. There was two young men that I just met on the street, you know, just started talking to them. You know, one kid wants to get into real estate. Another kid, he has a clothing line. You know, he's, and they, they're both working. They're trying to do the right thing. One's 17 years old and one is 23. You know, but there's a lot of other young men that are in my community that are getting involved in a lot of gun violence, et cetera. So, you know, we got to figure out a way to get involved in their lives now in order to prevent them from end up, ending up going in that direction. That's going to, you know, you know, cause them to get caught up in the criminal justice system in the first place. So, you know, my thing to the New York State legislator and also to Kathy Hogle, where the money at to be able to provide 
you know, the, the actual resources necessary to save our children. Well, there you know, is can, money. It is money. There and, is and, money. And, and I think, and that's, and you said, you, you know, you brought up a very good point. And, and I think that's what it is that we try to explain to people when we say defund the police. It's not take all the money from the police. It's not shut down the police because we understand that there is a need for police in our communities, but we need to make sure that we take some of these resources and money that's allocated to people who's just doing overtime, sitting at desk doing nothing to give to health, you know, to, to give public health, public yeah. health and public safety, um, public mm -hmm. safety um, health, um, mental health, um, people who know how to deal with that, um, violence interrupters, people such as yourself who come home and are, are able to connect with the community, connect with these young people who are in these situations, be able to fund your um, organization that you want to start. You know, to be able to fund a lot of different organizations and give it to the credible messengers in our community because we're underfunded. Like you said, we have to get in front of the violence. We got to get in front of the negativity in our communities. And, and the main the main reason for negativity and violence in our community is poverty. That is the main. That's a fact. And when That's you look up. when you look at violence all over this nation, it is in the most impoverished communities. So there's a direct mm -hmm. correlation. There's no denying it. We don't you you don't see violence happening at the rate anywhere near what's going on in the hood in in, in communities where they are doing above average and they are flourishing and they have money and resources. You just yeah. don't see it happening. I agree. Right? So so let's go to some personal stuff as we, you know, get ready to wind down. What did you do when you got home? Uh -huh. Well, besides the fact that, you know, I, you know, my son and my family, uh, Maurice Ballard, we all basically, you know, Mr. Footwork. Took over. Yeah, Mr. Footwork. Yeah. <laughs> we basically, we basically took over a diner and we all, you know, we just had a good time, man, just enjoying each other's, you know, presence and, and energy. And, um, but uh, my main priority, you know, when I came home wasn't the typical priority, I think, you know, for somebody in my position. You know, my main priority was my 11-year-old common-law nephew. Mm. Um, you know, his his name is Marcelo Martinez. Man, he was going, he's having a really hard time. He has ADHD. He's 11 years old. Um, he's living with his paternal grandmother, who's in her 60s. She has a bad knee, and he was acting up. You know, so during the time that I was incarcerated, I talked to him on the phone. Um, I wasn't sure whether or not I would come home, but I told him, I said, you know, when I come home, I'm gonna come get you, man. I'm gonna take you places, man. We're gonna work on. This. I don't think that you're a bad kid. You know, you might make bad choices, but you're not a bad kid because he used to always tell me, you're I'm a bad kid. It's like, nah, I know you're not. But he wasn't getting the proper, you know, positive reinforcement. So he was one of the first people that, I, you know, I seen what little money that I did have. Um, you know, I took him, you know, out to Crossgates, which is a mall in Albany. And, um, you know, I bought him some Legos and just spent some time with him. Just bonded Legos. with my nephew. Yeah, Legos, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they love those Legos, yes, man. But every week Lego. <laughs> but it was just it was just such a fun and, and fulfilling you know experience to be there with him and then i ended up getting my 10 year old uh cousin she's she's biologically related to me um she uh she, she i brought them together so i kept them for the weekend and the hotel room that meek mills and um uh jessica jackson had booked me because i'm having issues with finding a residence right now but, um, you know, I kept them for the weekend. We just had fun. They made s'mores and, you know, they watched TV and, you know, they was just having fun and, you know, they enjoyed each other's company. I enjoyed their company. We took some pictures, you know, that I'm going to post later. That's but, you beautiful. Know, I just, yeah. 
But I, I enrolled them in, you know, they're the first two enrollees into a program that I, I established called the Dynasty Kids, which is basically a youth empowerment and youth leadership program, you know, really designed to target at-risk youth at that age. Because one of my theories is that, you know, when you have these young children at this age who come from families where their mothers or fathers have to work or they're not present, you know, you need to have other adults that are around that are, you know, that are present that can, you know, listen to them when they want to talk about their Legos or they want to talk about their little toys. Because, you know, that's the way kids communicate. And when you show them that, you know, you care about what they care about, you know, they tend to open up to you and they're more receptive to you teaching them, you know, things like discipline and responsibility. So that that was one of the first things that I did. And I, I had appreciated doing that with him. Um, it was just... It's just one of the best moments, man. So now I'm taking care of some personal business. I opened up a bank account for the first time yes. ever in my adult life. <laughs> yeah. You know, I I, I applied for uh I'm going to go to college to pursue my bachelor's degree in business management and also uh paralegal studies. Um uh I have a, a job, well, it's a fellowship with Reform Alliance. I just signed the uh, the contract with them. So I'm gonna be doing that. I'll probably be starting that next week. So, you know, I'm and, and of course, like I just told you, uh, I'm about to go to a couple of schools that are, that are designed for at-risk youth and just walk in there, you know, to say, hey, this is who I am. You know, I'm, I'm here to do this type of work. If you guys need me, you know, you know any youth that might need a little extra attention, I'm here. Wow. Beautiful, man. Like, like you said, man, you, you, you gave your word that you was coming home, hit the ground, focus, and you really wanted to do change, and you've been doing that every day since you've been here. I'm proud to, you know, to be a part of this reacclimation, man. Tell them, tell them, you know, you just came home from prison. You know, you don't really have money or resources. Like this is his first adult experience as a free man. Mm. You know, he left here as a child. He's now on his own as a free man. He doesn't have a lot of resources. You know, I know you have a GoFundMe. I know you have cat, whatever you have, let, let the people know that one of, you know, Invest. I don't. I hate the word donate because donate is some charity. But invest in you because they believe in what it is that you're bringing to the table. So let them know how they can do that. Yeah, they can go to my GoFundMe. They'll find a link in my IG bio. Um, they can also What's your send IG? a cash. My IG is Dante Mitchell Free. Um, mm. You know, yeah. So they can go there and they can look at the bio. The link is down there. Um, they also, if they if they can. Uh, they can send an investment through Cash App at Free Dante. My name is spelled D-O-N-T-I-E. Um, I'm also trying to get a fundraiser established on um, um, Facebook specifically for the Dynasty Kids program. So um, I'm just waiting for that to get approved. But um, yeah, man, that's anything that people can invest, especially you know, in the programs that I want to do for the youth. It's, it will be greatly, greatly appreciated. I'm, I'm in between residents right now. You know, I'm basically utilizing public transportation, so I hope to be able to get a vehicle so I can utilize that to do more outreach work with the youth because, you know, if I can get around, I can get around them. Yeah. But if I can't get around them, you know, it's harder to get around them if, you know, if I had to come from several miles away and there's a crisis over here, you know, it, like my nephew just called me earlier. You know, I had just took, again, a little bit of money that I did have. I got him a phone because he likes to be on YouTube watching his little cartoons and stuff. So I got him a phone and he need me you know, to go over there and unlock it, you know, so, <laughs> so you I need can't a, do it. You need, a, <laughs> you need a whip so you can get around, but slow and steady, yeah, you know, 
slow and slow steady, steady runs the I mean, excuse me yeah, slow and game. steady wins the race so take your time and ease into uh -huh. it yeah you said cash free app is free dante dante and it's d-o-n-t-i-e right that's me and yep. um and then your instagram page is at dante mitchell free Free. Yes. All right. So we're going to make sure to put that information on the screen yep. and also for our listeners to be able to uh, get the info and send you a few dollars because you need a couple dollars. <laughs> couple <at> all. <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> all right. Take care, Dante. Thank you so much for being with us today. And we hope you have like a real, real, real good start. I'm sure you obviously you wow. and my son will be in touch every single day as you work through this process. So we won't leave your side, but uh, just from me to you, I just want you to know that black man, you are needed and we're happy to see you at home. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. All, All right, right Kate. Get You got to get All this right. technology. I know that phone going crazy. You'll figure it out. Yeah. Peace, bro. Peace. All, <laughs> All right, right. I'll hit you, you later. Be safe. All right, brother P. You too. All right. State Farm Insurance gets it. Representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. State Farm understands and wants to help protect our communities by investing in our future, building off the hard work our parents have done before us. We all are looking to create generational wealth so that our families and generations behind us have a better starting point than we did. That begins with financial literacy. State Farm helps fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of black and brown youth. To date, participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarships offers as a direct result of contributions from State Farm. At Eating Wallbrook, we hear inspiring rags to riches stories on each episode from our guests. But with State Farm, you can begin to write your own success story. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and have a long lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You know a spot, but not just a spot, the spot. Actually, with the 2023 Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots, being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your Frontier in the 2023 Nissan Frontier with standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-feet of torque. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash news. That's LifeLock.com slash news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. That's how we own it! For the past 20 years of my life, um, I've been able to call our next guest, uh, my big brother, 
Um, mm -hmm. We have done some incredible work together and also uh, just have been together personally, professionally for many years. And it, one of the things that frustrates me so much, which you know, we talk about it all the time, is when people say, well, y'all don't do anything about gun violence and y'all don't care about what goes on in, in the communities. All you care about is police, police, police. And you know, we always explain to people the distinction between the two issues that they, they, they intersect and there are ways to work on both. Um, but we do have people who do incredible, like award-winning work on addressing violence in our communities. And this brother is one of those individuals. Uh, for many years, it was a trio of, of, of uh, A.T. Mitchell, who we have with us today, uh, Erica Ford, our sister who's been on this program before, and, and me. And the three of us moved around New York City, navigating the waters to open up um, opportunities and resources for gun violence, specifically, you know, people who are gun violence interrupters and changing the way that New York even deals with the issue of gun violence. And so I'm happy to have uh, my brother A.T. Mitchell of Man Up out of Brooklyn, but he is now an international violence interrupter trainer. Our friend. Um, and of course, he is certainly our friend and definitely your friend. Yes, yes, man. A.T., we love you, man. I, I'm just love mad that it took this long you. for us to get you on the show, man. Everything happens when it's supposed to happen, man. As y'all know me, I'm I'm a humble giant. I'm a quiet storm. I'm a team player. I, I've just been here just rooting you two on and cheering you on and congratulating you and, and just keeping you know the work going, like you said, Meek, uh, the work that goes on on the ground. So I'm here as a field general. I'm on um, boots on the ground kind of dude. Um, like, like now, as you can, you know, you can say that the respect has, has been made across the country, if not across the world. So I'm really glad to be with y'all too right now. So you are our change maker today. Yes. Uh, we have a segment every week. We try to make sure that we highlight people who are doing, you know, real work. And of course, the the we we had a whole series where we talked about gun violence and we tried to bring people on, whether it be women who've actually been impacted, um, you know, and, and some, you know, maybe they actually they are victims of gun violence and or doing some type of work. But we what we found is that. For women, generally, it is a woman who has been impacted that becomes an advocate and is doing the work of trying to organize for women victims specifically. So that was important. We covered, you know, of course, many of our brothers um, who've been shooters, um, who have have, exp have been victims of shootings, and then, of course, people who are on the ground doing the work. And, and that was an important series. I think we did it for six weeks. Yeah, there was six episodes yeah. where we focused on it. And usually people call you, AT, because you are an expert on how to curb and reduce gun violence. And we know that um, one of our, our biggest campaigns Campaigns is dealing with getting this country to acknowledge violence as a public health crisis and not just a criminal activity. Um, but I think today it's important from a change maker's perspective that we learn more about you and your story, why you're doing this work, and then 
This episode, we focused on a young man by the name of Dante Mitchell, who you now you know know his story. He was just wow. released from prison after being in for 24 years. Could have been close to 70 years if you know if he was not given granted clemency. And we just heard about his his process and progress in terms of returning um, to society. And you deal with people who are returning all the time. In fact, you are returning. You know, I didn't know that. Just so you know, after 20 years of being your friend, your sister, wow. and loving you so much, it took my son to say to me, no, AT is good for this episode. Not yeah, that we were trying to figure out which one. And he said, no, 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 he's retired. I said, what do you mean? AT went to prison? I had no idea. <laughs> Yo, me, you know, it's crazy, me, because um, nobody doesn't really look at me and and they are all kind of astonished and they're surprised because I, know, I never wear it on me like a billboard, like a neon sign, but all the things that you just talked about, you know, I mean, having been in prison, you know, being, uh, you know, a returning citizen from prison after 16 years, um, being, you know, the person on the inside, actually doing the work on the inside and just trickled it into the work doing, the, you know, when I got released and put those boots on the ground, I just hit the ground running. Um, so I come from a lot of that being a shooter. I mean, lived there, you know, been there, done that, haven't been shot myself. So I'm a victim of AT, gun violence. you was shot? I've been shot. I don't myself. know anything I've about AT. I've been, this is the AT listen, she don't know. See, you don't have to don't be know about this information. <laughs> this, we no, keep you. We know. keep this away from you. Man. You just <laughs> no, know. That's a fact. You know, I'm not. A, I don't. I don't. I don't boast about it. It's no. not something I'm proud of. Exactly. But it's something that you know. I mean, I can experience. I have experienced. I mean, I live in Brooklyn. I grew up in Brownsville in East New York, right? So I've been through wars on on the street level. So respectfully, you know, I'm just never proud of it. Mm. I mean, I've been actually, I've been very disgusted by it. And that's why I got into this work. You know, I wanted to stop the prison, you know, pipeline. I wanted to, you know, to stop the influx of our young brothers and, and, and sisters going into prison because they were glorifying it when I went through that same experience. And I just been, like I said, I'm more of a doer. I, I don't like talking about it. I listen to some people as they boast about it and I chuckle because I mean, you know, it's really not something, you know, uh, that people can say that, you know, that they, they're proud about. It's something that we really want to make a difference in. So that's what I've been doing. Yeah. So, you know what? We was in Brooklyn, you know, me and you were mediating, uh, you know, a truce <laughs> a, a, a few months ago. And you have told, you had given me the, the story of how you started Man Up. You yes, know sir. about the young girl who was shot, whatever. So I want you to tell that story. That was mm -hmm. yeah, the young brother. So that story was really touching for me. I want you to like give us that story. That I mean, like you know, like you mice, we we've been doing the work, man. And it's just like for me back in 2003, I was still doing my part, and then I heard of a shooting in in East New York of an eight year old little boy named Deshaun Hill, mm -hmm. who got shot actually in the middle of a drug beef over some weed. And um, it broke my heart, man. I mean, I mean, I went to the crime scene. I went to the hospital where Deshaun and his family was, and I was there when they actually pronounced him dead. Um, and I was angry, man. I was ready to relapse in my mind. I, I felt that it was, you know, um, something that really being an alleged OG that was not cool, that the children in the neighborhood were not safe, that the women were not safe. And so I just really, you know, began to start going out there, stepping to the cats on the streets, me and a couple other brothers, just G-checking them, 
And, and, and when we was out there doing that, we, you know, you know checking their temperature and, 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 you know, we realized that they responded with the same things that we responded when I was their age. And that was, you know, they had no place to go. Nobody was giving them a job or a chance at life. You know, they didn't, you know, nobody was investing in them. And I, and I kind of had to back up off of the tough guy stuff and, and realize that, you know, they right. And so I had mm. to, you know, said, you know, if I create places for you to go, things for you to do, would you in exchange give me some peace on this block? And that's how Man Up Inc. started. Wow. It just started out just like that, man. And it morphed into something that was, you know, now it was a volunteer, you know, led organization or effort from a basement location into a multi-million dollar, you know, I have about 40, maybe 50 employees to date because of, you know, the blessings of all the work that we've been doing. So yeah, that's the beginning of Man Up Inc. And you all have two, years. you have two offices. Nah, me, your brother got nine offices now. Oh, no, no, but wait a minute. Do you have nine, <laughs> you have nine, have nine sites. Locations. Right, you have nine, nine sites where people are working. No, I, I know that part. You have nine yeah, sites where people are working. But I was just thinking about the offices where the management yeah, the happens. Yes. And, yeah. So it's it's two different locations, or it's, or all nine. There's you know, it, are all nine of your offices fully staffed? Yes. Wow. So, yeah, so it's fully staffed. That's a blessing that I wow. said to be able to be able to provide employment wow. for community for these are people who come from the neighborhood, people who mostly who've been there and done that themselves. Um, I'm, I'm blessed to be in the position to to have a team of people around me like that that now go back into their same neighborhoods that they come from, and actually, you know, do the change making that you that you know that we often want to see done on a daily basis. Um, and you so have the community center. I have a a, a beautiful two story community center. It's 11.5 million dollars. Um, it's equipped with a, a, a college regulated size gymnasium a multimedia center, dance studios. I mean, it's named after Prince Joshua Avito, who was a, a six-year-old victim of violence out mm. here in East New York. Um, and so, you know, whatever, you know, whatever we do, we always try to turn the pain into purpose, right? Yeah. We oftentimes like to make sure that the, the memories of these young um, angels are never uh, forgotten. So yeah, the beautiful community center that we operate is, is dope. So. I always want to ask one more question. So I, cause I'm, I don't know. I don't clearly, I don't know you. It's nice to meet you AT. <laughs> After 20 years, we're meeting yeah. for the first time today, yeah. but it is a true testament to who you are. In fact, it doesn't surprise me at all that I'm just learning these things because I know that you are a quiet storm that does not like to talk much. You just like to do things and get things done. But I think it's also a testament to how hard we have worked. And I often, don't speak of myself in that right. way, right? Because, you know, we, we we have insecurities around talking about yourself. But the, from the day we met until now, we've done nothing but work hard so, and thanks. blood, sweat, and tears. I mean, we had a right. little turn up here and there in the midst of it all, but yeah. really it's been <laughs> focused on work. And we really haven't had an opportunity to sit and talk through all of our life's changes and issues and and all of, and all of that exactly and you are not on social media so you probably know more about yeah. my shit from social media <laughs> than i know about yours because you're yeah. you know really on 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 social media so it's it's really it's a really a true testament to who you are um i want to just kind of go back to that time 
because I didn't know 16 years and you say it's nothing to be proud of. When you were in prison, did you make the decision that I've got to make these changes or did it or did it happen once you got out? No, definitely. It was a decision that I made when I realized that I have to, like most of us growing up in the neighborhoods, I looked actually forward to going to jail. Um, so I did, you know, the things that I'm not proud of. I happened to also been written or sentenced to a crime I didn't commit. Mm. So for me, I had to go in um, and, 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 and serve time and realize that when I went through that experience, especially going up north, my, as you already know, um, man, that wasn't something that it just reminded me of, of, of slavery. Mm. And so I said, nah, this was not a place where I wanted to be or to, to, to be a, a regular place for me. So the same way I worked my way into prison, I had to work my way out of prison. Mm. And so that's when I started getting busy. I started realizing that, you know, that mama didn't raise no fool. And, and, and when I knew how to read, I knew how to write, but my fellow brothers inside prison didn't. And so I just started aiding them, helping them. Um, you know, we all counseled each other through. Um, and eventually, you know, I went and got my GED. I went back to college while in prison. And then, you know, I started helping other brothers get their, you know, lives together, you know, and try to help them, you know, with their, with their needs. And then they eventually opened up the doors for me. I said, if they open up these doors, I would never return. And so it's ironic that two, 2021 marks 30 years ago wow. when I was, I was released from prison in 1991. So, yeah, so that's just been my, my walk. Well, listen, man, you, you, you know, you're a major inspiration to me, man. You, somebody that I look up to, you know, that I see a lot of myself in, like, it's not a lot of people that I consider real OGs and, you know, sure. carry themselves a certain way and the way that you carry yourself is indicative of how I want to be seen, you know, as, as I mature into it, I want to still be respected amongst our youth and amongst our culture and still maintain the stature of a grown adult man and, and with wisdom and honor, you know? So I, I just, I always salute you, brother, the way the where you come from, where you continue to grow, the way you continue to motivate us, younger brothers who are trying to get to where you are, is just phenomenal, man. And it's just a testament of what it is that I say. A lot of people, they don't have faith in people who are returning citizens. They believe that all of us are doomed to failure, you're just a criminal, they label you these things. And it's people like yourself who show that that's not real. You know, it's people, Tamika didn't even know that you had come from prison. Tamika's still trying to find out what he went to prison you know what I'm for. I, I'm still- Well, I'm not, I'm not ashamed, sister. I mean, I went to prison for, 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 for manslaughter. You know, I was, wow. I, was char I was charged with murder. Um, I went to trial and thankfully, you know, they found me not guilty of that. And then I, I was unfortunately found guilty of manslaughter. So again, yeah, it's, it's, it's ironic. Cause like you saying, Mice, man, I mean, listen, I, I, I like my sister know, Tamika knows, like I, I'm, I'm there just to hold y'all down, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, and make sure that everything that the work that we all are doing, the work that y'all doing on y'all level, vice versa, what we're doing on our level, is 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 real work. It's hard work. It's mm -hmm. not for everybody. You know, we have a lot of people who get in the way because we make it look good. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, they don't have a clue as it relates to uh, the hardships that come with this, the challenges, the tests, the tests that we have to always pass. But again, I'm not that brother that goes out there. I don't have to boast about it. I like to let our work speak for itself. 
Um, but this is our our journey. We we all earned our rights in this seat, and you deserve the same accolades, Mike, because of how you hold us down on your level. I'm extremely um I'm motivated by you, brother, um, and I'm proud of you as well. You know because you're being very consistent. You could have went to Hollywood and stayed, you know, on 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 a, on that note, but you chose to keep it, you know your boots on the ground. So I I, I definitely respect you highly. Love, bro. So we ain't gonna keep you much longer, but I just want to say, man, we want to give you your flowers while you're here. You know, I can smell it. You Thank sm you. That's I made right. It. You it's you that's right. You made it, and yeah. this ain't gonna be the last time, man. This is this is nah, you know man. honor to have you here. You're one of the people I call evolutionary, man. You know the Thank way you. that you revolved and continue to grow and 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 show that spirit, that spirit of our ancestors, and you know the brothers who came before us that that have paved the way. So continue to do what you're doing. You Wait, know. I'm gonna get in trouble because I have I've I've okay, so one ahead. and a half more question. I'm okay, sorry. So give the one because we're talking about returning citizens on this show and we've talked about your um process of returning, but you have a lot of staff members who are also returning. Mm -hmm. And so I just wanted to hear more about that work and how in our model that we designed together. A lot of it came from Erica Ford's brain. We have to make sure we always give her that credit. But the model that had already started and that we've worked to develop within uh, New York State and New York City particularly is to bring people home, get them home and put them to work so that they can be a part of the healing process within our community and helping to reduce violence. So talk about why that was important to you and 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 what and what what does that look like for someone like you to do that work every day? Wow. So for, for for me, like you said, it it looks it looks very like empowering because so many brothers and sisters um that are looking forward to coming home. A lot of people don't know. Ninety nine point nine percent of people that are released from prison, um, they come home with the right you know thing to do in mind. They mm -hmm. really want to do the right thing. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, the things that 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 are awaiting them, where they go back into the neighborhoods from which they come from. Um, the conditions haven't changed. So they are, unfortunately, they're kind of like moved back into some of their old lifestyles and resort to certain things. And that's why the recidivism rate is so high. But even just the fact that we call ourselves returning citizens today is a testament of our work. We changed the narrative, mm -hmm. changed the language. We used to be looked at as ex-cons and ex-defenders. Mm -hmm. And we, you know, worked alongside so many other greats to change that. No, we are returning citizens. Mm -hmm. When we return back into our communities, we receive our citizenship day one. And we need to understand what does that mean. Um, and so what I love about the work that we're doing now is that we're in position to receive them to come home. They're not, you know, stigmatized or stereotyped in a way that we once looked at people coming home from prison. And we looked at as far as the value that we bring to our neighborhoods. We, we, we come from these neighborhoods. These are our communities. And so when we go back into our neighborhoods, we need to understand that our debt is still not paid. We still have to make sure that we amend, make amends in the neighborhoods where we messed wow. up. You know, we might have paid our debt to the AKA society, but back in Harlem and the Bronx and Brooklyn, where the crime was committed, we still got work to do. And That's so deep, this, but this is what we do now. Just we make sure that people come home, they get involved in, in just the ground, you know, the work that's happening on the ground, helping us mediate in so many of these conflicts with their influence. I mean, today, like now people like us, you know, we have now value. 
you know, we have some weight in the game and some stake in the, in the game. So now we use that to our advantage. And so I'm just really proud to be um, a formerly incarcerated professional, you know, and today a returning citizen with great pride. Thank you so much, yes, brother A.T. Mitchell of Man Up. Man Up, Inc. Um, you know, a man of my heart. I love you so I much, A.T. I love you more, yo. I appreciate you as well. I love y'all both. Y'all keep up the great work. I'm here anytime. Thank got you. Got you, man. We got work to do. Boycott Black yes, Murder, baby. Yes, sir. Without question. Yes, Peace out, y'all. Peace. 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 Wow. A.T., man. That's, I mean, he's such a legend. He is legendary. And people don't know. And see, you didn't even, but the thing is, like he said, we don't, he doesn't have to glorify that because it's not something that he's proud of. You know, and I tell people that all the time, glorifying prison is not something that we're proud of. The only thing that we say about prison, real men, is that we survived it. Mm. Because a lot of people don't survive. They don't come home fully with their faculties or they don't even make it home. Mm. So when you, when you able to go through 16 years unscathed, you ain't got no stabs, you didn't tell on nobody, you ain't done nothing foul, and your resume is still intact, your respect and credibility is still intact, and you can come back to the communities and not only just live amongst, but be able to change, be able to take guns and have enough respect so where you can stop violence mm -hmm. and employ people and, and, and continue to do that work, man, that's, that's a blessing. That's all it is for us you know, who are returning citizens to want to come back and give back. Like he said, the debt is not paid just mm. because you got out of jail. Your debt is not paid. You have, especially if you've caused harm in those communities, if you've been a part of the problem, then when you come back, you know, the rehabilitation for you is becoming part of the solution. Mm. So, you know, he's just That's, a testament. He said you have to really make is. amends with the communities that you harm. Got to. I thought got that to. was, that was the most powerful thing that I heard. But, you know, I just got to learn so much about my friend and, you know, and, I, and I'm sure that if we sat and talked, we all learned a lot about one another because life is going and moving so fast, but it's the right time and the right moment for AT and his story to be uplifted because what he has been able to create, right? And I have spent a lot of time in two of his offices, which is why I said that, but I, you know, he has expanded so much and been able to put these offices in place where there are people where a high percentage of the individuals are people who came home. Exactly. And they're doing great work to reduce violence in their neighborhood. So that's that's the, those are the types of stories we have to tell because people want to know what do we do? AT Mitchell is an example well, what of what we do to do in your community. That's right. And and okay. On a lighter note. My, I don't get it today. Okay. You know, I was, I was with our production team. And we were just looking through some things, and I had a different. I don't get it, but this is really weird. And this is somebody I like. Like, shout out to Rick Ross. Me and Rick Ross is cool. Mm -hmm. Got music together. Somebody I respect his entrepreneurs, you know, um, ability, uh, his music ability. But I don't get how you got a hundred cars and you just got a license. DMX didn't have a license. But that but, I've been told. But it's still, but I'm trying to say, like, brothers, we got to do better. Like, we got to do better. At 45, he, he just didn't, he didn't need a license. No, you need a license because you drive it. It's not like he was if, if if he wasn't driving, then it would make sense to me. Oh, he right? drives his cars. He drives his cars. But he like, got a license. But now at 40, and, and, and let's give him a round of applause <laughs> at some point. But brothers, we got to do better. 
you know, I was having this conversation with my son the other day. He's like, yo, he just got his girl a car and this and that. And I'm like, you got your license? He's like, no. She drives him she, around. He don't need no, it. No, you do need As a man, there has to be a level <laughs> of responsibility that we take for ourselves. We got to get our license. We got to get our, know where our social security card is. We got to get our password. We got to get our own bank. Like, we got to establish some level of maturity. You know, and, and I think that is something that, you know, I've learned over over time, you know, as, as we grow. We have to take those responsibilities early. Yeah. You know, mama, for, mama messed it up. Yeah, for, cause cause, my, because we take care of everything. Yeah, but it's nothing so wrong with the, that. But No, but I'm still, just saying. You that, have to realize that to be a real member of society. A grown-up. A grown-up, right? You got to pay some bills. You got to put a couple bills in your name to where you go and, and you see the transition. You got to have your, your license, your passport. You got to have all the grown up things, brothers. We doing, we, we doing bad. We I get bet you Rick Ross bunch has of a money. passport. Oh, of course he do. He, he got to move around. But, you know, let's get your license, man. Shout out to Rick Ross, man. But we, we got to stop waiting at 45 to get a driver's license. <laughs> when we got 100 cars, man. So shout well, out to that, man. I some people, it's like we, you know what, though? And I get the price is different, but we have a hundred pairs of shoes. Mm -hmm. He got a hundred cars. That's his thing. In his in his category, the, his our cars, shoes is the same right. as his car. <laughs> yeah. It is. It is what it is. I, I know I have over a hundred. Don't yeah. even you shouldn't even talk about a hundred pairs of shoes because that's not even close to yeah. what you had. Million. You got a hundred cars. So with that being said, another dope episode. Yes, right. Politician. Shout out to Dante. Shout out to A.T. Mitchell. Dante, I'm getting ready to go cash app Dante cash some app money him. right now. Go to his Let page, Dante Mitchell phone. Free. Send him some money, man. He got a long road ahead of him. After 24 years being incarcerated, he is finally free as an adult. This is his first time being free as an adult. Just imagine that. Being in jail since you were 17, Spending the majority of your life in prison, 24 years of your 43 years, you was in prison. Wow, like, wow, wow. You know, that's it's just like, I couldn't even... Never thought he I would probably get out. And he never thought, but he, he told me that, you know, three years ago that he came to the conclusion that he was going to fight for his freedom. And Who every day from him. there... I, we need help. I got to make sure I'm sending it yeah, to the right sure person. Just go to his Instagram page. It should be up there. Mm -hmm. But um, he said that he never gave up. But those three years, the last final three years, he said, I need to come home. And he he spoke his freedom into existence. Yeah, yeah, man. no, he did. It's manifesting did. your destiny, man. So shout out to him. Shout out to AT, another brother. Look, you didn't even know AT. He, see, the thing is about us black men, we don't look like what we've been through. Oh, no, that's all you know black what I'm people. We don't that's look the like entire we've black race. Yeah, and, and that's what it is, man. So shout out to AT. One of my big brothers, like I don't call a lot of people big brothers. I don't call a lot of people for advice. I don't respect the leadership of a lot of people because a lot of people are not really fit to lead. They get these people, these OG titles that have never gained them, you know, but he is one of the brothers that I feel really has earned that title. So shout out to him and, and another dope episode. Number one podcast in the world. <laughs> Number one podcast, Street Politicians, man. Make sure you tune in, send us your thoughts. Tell us you love us. Tell us you hate us. Don't you got tell us topic, you hate tell us. You, hey, you can hate me, man. Yeah, they you might know, be able to hate you, but they don't yeah. got to tell you. You can tell you me. Listen, I want to know why, because I be wanting to know why. Tell me why. 
Because sometimes it ain't all, you know, bad reasons that you hate me. You might really have a legitimate, I ain't heard one yet, but you might actually have a legitimate reason to hate me. So let us know if you hate us. Give <laughs> us some topics you want to hear about. Send some questions. Crazy. We here, man. And we ain't going to always be right. Tamika's not going to always be wrong, but most of the time she will be. <laughs> Because she disagrees with me, you know, so she's going to be wrong most of the time. But we will both always, and I mean always, always, always be authentic. Peace, y'all. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's how we own it. That's how we own it. Listen to Street Politicians on the Black Effect Network on iHeartRadio. And catch us every single Wednesday for the video version of Street Politicians on iWomen.tv. Black Tech Green Money isn't just about telling the stories of successful black entrepreneurs. It's also about giving actionable and wealth-building strategies that help you protect the future of our communities. That's why we're pleased to be supported by State Farm Insurance. State Farm also believes that we must invest in our communities to achieve economic growth by sponsoring programs like the AXO, which rewards high school students for their academic achievements. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You know a spot, but not just a spot, the spot. Actually, with the 2023 Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots, being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your Frontier in the 2023 Nissan Frontier with standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-feet of torque. Got my PrevNA 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us, wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic, and at higher risk, get vaccinated. But, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar 20. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar 20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine.